Blog Talk Radio. I'm your host, Sifu Haq. You're listening to the Dino Within Your Show. The number one Islamic radio show in America, alhamdulillah. Before we begin, like always, we want to give praise to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and thanks to his messenger, the Prophet Muhammad ibn Abdullah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. And alhamdulillah, nasta'inuhu wa nasta'firuhu wa na'udhu billahi min shuroobi nafusana wa min sari ahli ma'lina min yadihillahu fala mudirina وَمَنْ يُقْلُفْ لَا هَادِيَ لَهُ وَيَشْهَدُ لَا إِلَهَ إِلَّا اللَّهُ وَاكِهُ لَا شَرِيكَ لَهُ وَيَشْهَدُ أَنَّ مُحَمَّدًا أَبْوَهُ وَسُلُوهُ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمَ مَا بَعْدَ Before I begin, I'd like to say all praise belongs to Allah. We seek His aid, we seek His guidance, we seek His help, and we seek refuge in Allah from Shaitan and His means, and we seek refuge in Allah from the footprints of Shaitan that will lead us to hell from Allah, and we ask Allah subhanahu wa taala to forgive us for our sins, our faults, and our errors. And whoever Allah guides, not to lead astray. And whoever Allah leads astray, not to guide. And I bear witness without any hesitation, any compulsion, that there's no God but Allah. And I bear witness that the Prophet Muhammad ibn Abdullah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, is last prophet and messenger. And my bet. Tonight's show, the second day of Ramadan, alhamdulillah, tonight's show is called Muslims Who Follow the Sunnah Get Married. Alhamdulillah, Muslims who follow this woman get married, inshallah. But we're going to touch on a couple other topics as well because this is our first time back on the Dean of Adunia show, alhamdulillah, for that. But um, I want to make an, uh, an announcement, inshallah. We're working on Dean of Adunia 2 movie. So if you've seen the first one, we're working on part two, inshallah, should be done by the end of the year. And um, make the while for us. That also got to guide our, our, our language, that it got our access and help us to be successful. Allahumma ameen. But as for the show, alhamdulillah, I wanted to talk about, I believe, 
that this is one of the major topics in our own marriage, divorce. You know, brothers and sisters, you know, looking for mates, looking for what type of mate should they marry, how should they uh, find a mate, what is the best possibility of, of successful and, and looking for a mate. So this is what I want to talk about tonight, inshallah, just to pass some time so that you can take your mind off of food and, um, you know, come to the remembrance of Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala, if it pleases Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala, inshallah. I want to... um. I want to begin with um, a statement from Allah, um, and he says that marriage is half the theme. But the Messenger of Allah said that marriage is half the theme is because of a reason. The Messenger of Allah, he didn't speak idly. He didn't speak uh, without wisdom. When he spoke, even though it was a few words, those few words were uh, an abundance of wisdom that you can live with for a very long time, mashallah. When you get married, you complete half your deen because you sacrifice your wealth, you sacrifice your time, you sacrifice, you know, your very self for your mate, and they do and they sacrifice themselves for you. It's a companionship, it's a relationship, it is a it's like a uh, something that you continuously build until it becomes fine and, and, and molded into something nice. When you first get married because you're learning to live with another human being uh, that you didn't know the majority of your life. So it's going to take some years for each person to learn each, other, each other's likes and dislikes. It's going to take some time. But when, it, when you get to that point where both of you are comfortable in a relationship and the marriage, then alhamdulillah, it will be smooth selling from there. You may have some hiccups on the road, but nevertheless, it will be smooth. It will be great. It'll be alhamdulillah. It'll be what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes in the Quran when he says that he created for you mates from amongst yourselves and he put love and mercy between your hearts so that you may live with one another in tranquility. And this is a time for those who know, those who reflect. So the whole purpose of marriage is that the husband and wife live in harmony, live in peace. And they have to, and they have to foster love, not only in the female but also on the male as well, love and mercy, because you're supposed to have mercy on your mate. See, we live in a time in America that we don't value marriage. We don't value Muslims. We don't value the Quran. We don't value the Sunnah. We don't value the knowledge that the day of judgment exists. We don't value the knowledge that Allah subhanahu is looking at our very actions. We don't value. This is information, valuable information. What we value is mundane things, money, materialism. You know, when the average Muslim wakes up, you know, they can prepare themselves to go to work every day of their entire lives. Day of the year that they they, they refuse or forgot or overslept to go to work. But when it comes to Allah and Salatul Fajr, they're very lackadaisical. They're very lazy. But when it comes to money and they're going to get paid and they get materialism, then they get up. When they go to work, they treat their boss and their staff and their coworkers with the utmost respect. When it comes to their job, they bite their tongue when it comes to their boss. Or when it comes to problems with their coworkers because they don't want to lose the ability to make this money, to make this what they believe to be something that they can benefit off. But when it comes to their husbands or their mates, or when it comes to their Muslim brothers, they feel as though they can open their mouths and say anything. They don't have to use their strength. Because they don't value their, 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 um, 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 the, uh, that, that person. They don't value that individual. They don't value what the Quran and the Sunnah says about brotherhood and the importance of brotherhood. You can hear a hadith a hundred times a day from now to the day of judgment. But if you don't value that hadith and what you're hearing, you don't care about it. It's not going to register with you. But I swear by Allah, on the day of judgment, the fact that you knew that the day of judgment was coming, you're going to realize that was some valuable information that a lot of the kufars don't even understand. You have information at your disposal about Allah, 
about the day of judgment, about punishment in the grave, about the questions that will be asked of you in the grave. A lot of human beings don't understand that information. They don't know that information. They're not, they're not ready for it. But you have this information. What are you doing with it? How is this knowledge that you, and this information that you have, how is that benefiting you? We are in the Ummah. We are in the time. We are at a crossroads and a crisis in America that the Muslims pay more attention about what Donald Trump is doing and what the world is doing than they do with their own family, their own children, their own uh, Quran. The own sunnah of the message of Allah, so that's the So much so that Muslims are saying whatever they want to say about Islam. They say whatever they want to say about the message of Allah, so that's the You had a Muslim, her name was Amina Wadu. Amina Wadu. Excuse me if I'm getting her name wrong. But she called the Prophet Ibrahim a deadbeat father. And she called his wife Sarah a. a, 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 a Excuse my language, she called her a bitch. This is the direct quote of what she said. She said, of how then can we basically come to terms with Ibrahim, the baby dad, and Sarah, the bitch, and even with Allah, the beneficent. This is what, this is how she addressed the prophet, his wife, and the lost of Penalty Island. What we don't understand as Muslims, that when you talk to your father, you speak to your, your father with respect. If you talk to your father in a disrespectful manner, you might get your face slapped. If you talk to your mother in a disrespectful manner, you might get your face slapped because you address them with, 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 with reverence. You address with love. You address them with, with respect. Simple as that. When you talk about uh, when you talk to your boss, you respect you, you address him with respect. You don't talk to him or speak about him in any particular way in front of his face. We are commanded that when we address the prophets, that we address all of them and make no distinction from Adam to the messenger of the law and all of the 25,000 prophets in between and all of the 300 messengers in between that we address them with respect. Very simple. If you read the book by Father Iyad, that she said, called the Iyad that she says, called the intercession, that he says that if you criticize anything of the messenger of Allah, so they sell him a button on his shirt, then this pants him out to puffer. Critical of the messenger of Allah, so they sell him. Because Allah, of the messenger of Allah, so they sell him, because Allah loves him. And it's disrespectful for a believer to address him in any particular manner. It is haram for a believer to raise his voice in the presence of the messenger of Allah, so that's him. That is haram. The Sahaba loved the messenger of Allah, so that's him. They would never, ever disrespect them. Period. When one of the Sahaba's wives disrespected the messenger of Allah, so that's him, he killed her. He killed his wife for disrespecting the messenger of Allah, so that's him. And he was not... Uh, uh, rep- rep- uh, re- recommended by the Messenger of Allah, so that time, because he did something that he, in his heart that he thought was right. Because when you talk about the Rasulullah, you talk to him with respect, by him with respect, and that goes to any prophet. So for a so-called Muslim, who, by the way, is a feminist, see, this is one of the things that this Ummah is, 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 is being, uh, the word I'm looking for, is being poisoned with is that these ideologies other than Islam. You have a lot of Muslim sisters who are feminists, that they hate men. They don't want to be led by men. They want to be equal with men. They want to rule men. But in Islam, the man is the, he is the patriarch of the house. He is the imam of the household. And she followed his example. But you have a lot of Muslim sisters who, who adopt this, this ideology of feminism. That they want to be equal. No longer would they, they uh, be subservient to a man. But in Islam, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives women rights. He gives them divine rights that is equal in the sight of Allah when it comes to rights. Like everyone has the right to be fair, to be treated fairly. But when it comes to responsibility, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that men are the maintainers of women. Why? Because they protect them and they spend out of their wealth. So 
So the fact that he does this, that the, his wife is, is obedient to the, to the husband. A lot of women don't like the word obedient, but this is the word that the Lord is looking to use. Obedient to the husband. Faithful hearts should be obedient to Allah to turn to Allah. Faithful hearts should be obedient to the messenger of Allah to that because the Lord says obey Allah and obey his messenger and obey those in authority amongst you, not up for debate. This is Islam one-on-one, one on one, very simple. But we have strayed far from the deen. We have strayed far from the path of the Rasulullah Sallallahu That we spend so much time criticizing everything and anyone that has, that has this is all negative. We have no time spending on learning about the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu what his sunnah, what he expects from us as Muslims, what he wants from us as Muslims, how to be better Muslims. This is the reality to it. The message of Allah said, none of you will enter Jannah until you become righteous. So right off the bat, that is the criteria to enter paradise, that you must become righteous. Ask yourself, are you righteous? None of you will enter Jannah until you become righteous, but none of you become righteous until you love one another. And the ingredient to love is to spread the greetings. So you ask yourself, you know the litmus test, are you a righteous Muslim? Do you love your Muslim brothers and sisters? Because the majority of us spend our time posting Facebook posts, uh, demonizing the Muslim community, talking bad about men, talking bad about women, has nothing good to say. So many sisters saying out of their mouths, I don't get along with other sisters. Well, that's not a good Muslim one. Because cause it is hard to cut your brothers and sisters off. You don't have no option. This brotherhood is, is one brotherhood. All of us are brothers in the law of our Lord. It's not an option. And you must understand that. Our marriage situation in America, when it comes to a husband and wife and wife and husband, you have a large amount of Muslim sisters and a large amount of Muslim brothers who refuse to get married. Yet we want a playhouse. We want to play. We want to play like we are married. We want to act like we don't need a man. We want to act like we don't need a female. We want to. We want to pretend. The problem, the problem that we are in is because we are not being honest with each other. We are living in delusion. For any Muslim sister to open her mouth to say she don't need a man to be happy, she is a liar. Because when Adam was created. He was not a happy human being to ease him along. This is the reality. So this is the reason why I lost because I created Eve. So Adam could be content and, and live life on earth and happiness. This is what Allah lost says. That he put love and mercy between your hearts so that you may live in one another tranquility. This is a sign for those who know, those who reflect. If you refuse to get married, that you're going to fall into evil and shameful deeds. Marriage is a protection. That saying is not a is not as just something that you just say because it sounds good as a reality. If you do not get married, you refuse to get married, then you will fall into shameful and evil deeds. You will wind up buying toys from the store that sells sex toys, and you will wind up gratifying yourself. You will wind up falling in love with yourself. You will wind up doing things that is haram. Because these things shouldn't prevent you from getting married. You were not created to be alone. You were created to get married and have children. And you were created to serve your husband. And he was created to serve you. And while in the process of this, you worship Allah and help each other get to Jannah. This is the reality, too. Until we learn to accept this simple, basic reality, then we will not have happy lives. We will not have lives that are, the lives that are fulfilling. We will not have lives that are happy ending like the storybooks. Because we are adopting the ways of the kufar. The kufar have learned not to live with the opposite sex. They've learned to hate the opposite sex. Look what happened to the the, the, uh, the Catholics. They believe that they are holier than thou, and they, and they and they don't have to get married. Well, their whole their whole 
organization has been shamed by known for molesting little boys. And the whole world know about the fact that they molest little boys. And every week, every month, something pop up, a little boy being molested. When will they learn that you have to get married? You cannot be a person who refused to be celibate your whole life. That is not reality. Muslims are moderate human beings. We fast. But yet we break our fast. We don't fast every day of our lives. We fast and we break our fast. And the most extreme fast is the fast of Da'ud. That is, you fast every other day. But the Sunnah, the Messenger of Allah, is telling that you fast Mondays and Thursdays. And this is sufficient because it is the Sunnah, the Messenger of Allah. But we do not fast every day. That is haram. We're not following the Sunnah. You are not better than the Messenger of Allah. So you fast every other day. That is the most you can do. But following the Sunnah, you fast Mondays and Thursdays. We are people who practice abstinence until we are married. We are not people who say we don't need a, a wife, we don't need a husband, because reality, we have needs. I don't know any human being that never have the, bar- the, the, the urge to go to the bathroom. I don't know any other human being that never have the urge to eat. I don't, never, I don't know any other human being that never have the urge to drink. You know why? Because it's part of being a human being. You get a sexual urge, sexual urge, and if you do it, if you do not satisfy it, it's going to do nothing but grow and grow and grow. But the message of Allah so that said those who can't, those who don't have the means to afford to get married, they should fast. But when he recommended fast, it was a, it was a temporary situation. It was basically water going out the fire, but that fire will rekindle and it will get worse, and so you have to get married. I don't know any human being that never gets money and they broke for their entire lives so they can't afford marriage. No, every human being is allowed a certain amount of money. Every human being in the womb of their mother, they're allowed a certain amount of money. So we lost with dollar would never let a person, you know, uh, be so poor. And even poor people get married. Even poor people get married. Because you will find someone who is in your, your, your class, someone who is in your, your money bracket, and you will marry them. So there's no excuse. The reality, too, is this, that we have adopted the ways of the Kufar, and we are following their lead. And the fact that we're following their lead, we're not happy human beings, and you can see it in the people's faces. You can see people are not happy. They're miserable with their lives. They're miserable with their lives. They're hateful people. Which ways? Which which one of the, the ways of the Kufars have we not adopted? Ask yourself that. How much time do you invest in your soul? Meaning, how much time do you actually invest in reading Quran? How much time do you actually invest in reading the Sunnah? Because when it comes to materialism, you got that down pat. You make your money. You put in your hours at work. But how much time do you dedicate to Allah? Because the eyes of the one who created your mother, you your son, your grandfather, the entire universe. How much time do you actually invest in the loss of Penitentiary? How much time do you actually invest in the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Sunnah or even knowing about your Nabi? How much time do you invest in that? See, a person got no problems putting in 80 hours a week because they look forward to that big paycheck. But they want to put one hour in worship in the loss of Penitentiary. One hour. One hour a day spend worshiping the lost mentality. They refuse to do that. But they put 80 hours in the week chasing the paycheck. That's not going to last. And if it don't last, it's because you don't have no better kind in it. This is why your money come and go and you're living from paycheck to paycheck. Because we're not thinking smart with our money. It's only that you take money away from the human beings that they know how to survive and know how to eat. But the moment that they get money and receive uh, wealth, now they don't know how to. They don't know how to survive. They don't know how to live. They don't know how to manage their money. It's a, it's a, it's a phenomenon. It really is. It's like it's remarkable. You know, like we all have this in us. Like when we go to a restaurant with our family, and we sit down at the table of the restaurant, and when we hungry, anything can be ordered because we want to satisfy our hunger. 
But once we full and we content, now we start looking at the bill and it's not looking right. We call the wait over. Excuse me, um, are you sure, like, I paid for this? Because I remember paying for this, but I don't know about this right here. Because you fool, you satisfy now. Now that fool don't mean nothing to you. Now that fool don't mean anything to you, so now you start to question. But when you're hungry, everything looks good on that menu. Just like in the, in the month of Ramadan, when, it's, when you fast and you are hungry, and when you break your fast, you may overeat because you're so hungry, but in reality, a little bit will suffice you. But we don't live in, in, in that type of frame of mind that let me eat one-third, let me drink one-third, and let me inhale one-third. We, we overdo it because the, the very nature of our soul is to be extreme. That's why we're supposed to make it disciplined in the month of Ramadan. We're supposed to teach ourselves self-control because the very nature of our own souls is to be extreme in everything. In everything, when we when we children, we we be extremely eating candy, overeat till we get a stomach eat. When we become adults, we become extreme in everything that we do. If you're alcoholic, you're going to overdo that. If you like to get high, you're going to do that. You don't care the fact that it's haram. You don't. No one think about that this is actually haram what I'm doing. They don't. Because we, we don't value the Quran and the Sunnah. We value the very things that's going to send us to the hellfire. And not only send us to the hellfire, keep us there for a very long time. MashaAllah, I have a uh, caller. I have a question. 215 581, Salam Alaikum, 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 Salam just trying to come together and remember Allah during the second day of Ramadan. Alhamdulillah. We also want to talk about the month of Ramadan and the very importance of this month, and the very importance of this month for your soul. Yesterday we scheduled a show called uh, Ramadan is the Noah's Art for the sinners and the, and, the, and, the, and the righteous. And I wanted to speak on that as well, inshallah. But I didn't have uh, the proper information when I got on. They gave me, they gave me a different calling number, so I gave the wrong calling number out. But the point of that was when Ramadan come up, and we all guilty of it, or most of us, we like to criticize the Muslims who want to get back on their deen, and we turn back to Islam when Ramadan come around. You know? And we criticize them for that. But only if we knew that, see, if you see Hellfire, and if you witness the reality of Hellfire, saying that the Messenger of Allah said in the Hadith, but uh, some of them save yourself from the fire, even if it be with a half a thing. What does that mean? That means whatever you have to use at your disposal to stop you from getting to the fire and to help you gain Jinnah, then do it. Whatever morsel of food, however small, because hellfire, the word. And the sentence is just a word in the sentence, but the reality is far more extreme. To be on fire for 24 hours a day for for all of eternity, you can't imagine that. Hellfire is not a, it's not a game. It's not a joke. It is not a, it's not a fable. It is a reality. It is a preacher that on the day of judgment, when they see you, it's going to come to you. It's going to leap towards you. It's going to be like, you ever see a, a vicious dog? You walk past that gate and that dog scare you and you hope to God that dog's going to get out that gate. That's going to be hellfire. He's going to be howling at you. He's going to want you very, very badly. And you're going to be petrified. Because not only does it exist that he wants you very badly, and everything that you did on this earth is going to come to the back of your mind. I had an opportunity to do this. I had an opportunity to do that. Why did I take the opportunity to do it? Why? Why was I slackish and sluggish and getting, making fudges? Why I always argue with Muslims that I spent my, my spent years just arguing and bickering over Facebook, but I never spent the time to teach my children about the Prophet Muhammad so that son of Allah, Why? These things are going to come up. 
This is the reality. We have to understand that. Well, see, right now you don't understand it because now you think you got forever to live. So the point is that if you knew it had information about hellfire, you would tell people, I don't care when you start practicing the thing. I don't care if it's in Ramadan. Do it. To the most fortunate Muslim is the one who is a Muslim from Salat to Salat. He's a Muslim from Salat to Salat. But the most, the highest you can be is you're a Muslim in the moment. Every day, every second, every moment of your life, you are a Muslim. You remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If you can't do that, then you're a Muslim from Salat to Salat. If you can't do that, then you're a Muslim from Fajr to, uh, from, from, from Juma to Juma. If you can't do that, then you're a Muslim from Ramadan to Ramadan. Very simple. If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allowed you to reach Ramadan, then take full advantage of it. Who cares what you did for the year? Because if you complete this month, all your sins is forgiven for the entire year. And if you catch the night of power, then the Lord of Allah will give you, he will give you a thousand months worth of blessing. He will give you 83 years worth of forgiveness. And if you fast the first six days outside of the E, then the Lord of Allah will forgive all your future sins for the next upcoming year. You don't need that, that's on you. MashaAllah, I need that. If the Lord Smith to give me the opportunity to give all my sins for this entire year forgiven, why would I not jump at the opportunity to do that? I don't understand. Why criticize someone who wants to do that? They want their sins forgiven for the year. Why criticize that? Why do that bother you? Why do that upset you? You should be happy with them. We should be ecstatic that these people decided to return back to the lost Penalty Island because that only strengthens the Ummah. And when the Ummah is strengthened, it's Islam is strengthened. And the Ummah mashallah. But we criticize. See, we criticize everything. We never give the benefit of the doubt. Muslim Dham is one of the attributes of the Muslims. You give the benefit of the doubt. Because perhaps what you see and what you heard is not what's reality. Perhaps what you know is not reality. How come when it comes to you, you want the benefit of the doubt? To Allah, you should give me the benefit of the doubt. It's not even like that. You know what I'm saying? Let me explain. But when it comes to your Muslim brother and sister, you never give the benefit of the doubt. Not only do you listen to the rumor and the slander and the backbiting, you perpetuate it. You tell the next person. And you might add something on to it because you, you hate that person, so you're glad the fact that they're going through it. That's not the attribute or the attitude of a Muslim. That's a monastic, a one who likes to spread gossip. Instead of a Muslim brother doing bad, that's a person who's hateful. One of the most um, used terms in this Ummah is for hating. You're hating on me. We love to use that because we like to see people do bad instead of happy and successful. We like that. We like when a person suffers. We almost take pleasure in it because that's the sickness of our own soul. We don't want people to do better than us. We don't want people to do good. Let it all want to hear it. You don't want to hear someone go, well, because you have hate in your blood, envy, jealousy. Hey, do well for your brothers and sisters. We are very, very sick people. This is the reality to it. In order to get over this sickness, we have to come to common terms with ourselves. Number one, I'm a Muslim. Number two, I'm sick Muslim. I'm a very sick Muslim. How do I defeat this sickness? How do I get rid of this sickness? Number one, return back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and make salat to Tawbah. Number two, make salat every time it comes in to the best of your ability. Number three, you have to diagnose yourself with the sicknesses that you have because there are cures in Islam for these sicknesses. If you're a person who hates another Muslim, the cure for that is to make dua for that Muslim until the cycle of hatred is broken. Because you're not going to make the wild for a Muslim that you hate. Trust me. You're not going to make the wild for a Muslim that you that you that you have ill feelings towards. Trust me. You're not going to do that. So the reality too is that we should we should pray we should pray for the Muslims that we dislike. Make the wild for them. Get up two o'clock in the morning. Say, Allah, please bless that sister and her husband and let them their children be better than mine. Let them be, let, please let them be more successful 
And if you continue to do that, Allah will remove hate from your heart and put love in your heart for your brother and your sister because you really have no reason to hate them. That's just a sickness within your own soul. If you're a Muslim who loves to backbite and loves to slander, then you should remain quiet. You should stop speaking. Because obviously you can't control yourself. When someone wants to call you and you know this person loves to gossip, you shouldn't answer the phone. Text you and say, why are you, not, why are you avoiding me? You say, because I'm trying, to, I'm trying not to backbite. I'm trying not to slander. I'm trying to save and protect my own soul. If the law see that you are doing that and trying to, and trying to be a better Muslim, he's going to help you. Allah is not this evil overlord like Muslims want to betray. Allah says that is because if you leave it to the Muslim, everyone is going to hell. If you leave it to the everyday Muslim, everyone is going to straight. If you leave it to the everyday Muslim, everyone is bad. Everyone is bad. If you leave it to us, because we people without mercy. Allah Subhanahu is the most merciful. He's the one who's our fool. He's he's the loving. He loves us. But we're supposed to love each other, but we do not love each other. Soon we develop that love for one another, we're going to be in this predicament that we are in. That we have a community, but we don't have no family of a community. When a Muslim going bad, and they call a mad shit and say, listen, I'm about to get evicted. The imam that answer the phone don't care two cents about that Muslim about to get evicted. They don't care. You don't care. We, we don't care. You're not willing to go into a bank account and we got 10000 and say, you know what, I'm going to give this Muslim $1,000 to help them be situated because we don't care. But if it was us, if we was going through that same predicament, then we would want others to help us. But we don't help them when we have the opportunity to. This is why the Messenger of Allah says, none of you will enter gender until you become righteous. So none of you will become righteous until you love one another. And the ingredients to love is expressed. Do you think this is a game? Do you think the message of the Lord is saying this for his health? He's telling you that no one may enter gender without righteousness, and you all are on the same level. None of you will become righteous until you love one another. That is a fact. That's not a game. You can't love your son if you don't spend time with him. You don't spend your money and sacrifice your wealth from him. It's not love to just send a couple of dollars in, in the email and not spend time with you. That's not love. Love is if a person comes to you with a problem, you try your best to try to resolve, try to help that person with their problem. Making dua is just, is just something that you can do, but it's not the reality of love. I can make you wild from a jail cell for my brothers and sisters out in the world, but if I love them, then I have to put that into action. Love is a verb. It's an action. It has to be substantiated with something that you are doing. Simple as that. If a husband commits dinner, adultery on his wife, he don't love her. Because love will make you loyal and faithful. And love is not something that you just say, even though we say I love you, but it's more than that. It's, love is about action. Just like that movie that we watched in the 90s where Holly Berry said to uh, Eddie Murphy that love would abort you behind home last night. That's love. It's action. It's a verb. And we do not love one another. We have to admit that. Most of us hate one another one another. And we want to see the downfall of our brothers and sisters because we are sick people. So we should use this Ramadan and this time to become well, to get rid of this sickness. And we should not discourage Muslims who want to come back to the deen, come back to the fold of Islam and fast on the month of Ramadan, try to get right with their Lord. Try that best because the dunya is a hell of a drug. Not cocaine, the dunya is a hell of a drug. A lot of Muslims are being caught up in this in this in this trap. A lot of Muslims use the word trapping, but they they caught up in the trap. That's the most amazing thing about that whole terminology. They say they trapping, but they're caught up in the trap. Selling drugs is a trap. Taking drugs is a trap. Because it helps you to get along. It takes you far from the remembrance of Allah. 
far from being a member of Allah. If you have a question or comment, hit the number one. We got four eight four nine zero eight. So they can welcome to all you on the being over doing show. Hello, welcome four eight four nine eight four nine zero eight. You on the being over doing show. Hello. Okay, well, we got two one five four three one. Hello, good evening. Welcome to all. You on the dean over doing your show? Hello, good evening. Two one five four three one. Hello, good evening. Welcome to all. Good evening. Good evening. Three. I'm about it. Yes, brother. Uh, my question is this: uh, in the case of a Muslim who observes the misactions that does not. Uh, corresponding to the commands of Allah Ta'ala. One who observes such misactions, how should we as Muslims approach that brother or sister who is not in accords but show these misactions, you know, within society? For instance, if I was walking down the street and I observed a sister in a kimar and she was entering the bar, Am I to make that sister mindful of her misactions, or should I not say anything to that sister? Well, the, the Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he addressed the Sahabas in the Quran, and he said to the Messenger of Allah about the Sahaba, he says, you are the best people raised for mankind because you're enjoying what is right and you forbid what is wrong. So the best action was to Tell her sister, sister, you should fear Allah, subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because you have the means to do it. You're not making her do anything. You're just reminding her because Allah says the reminder benefits the believer. But it will only benefit those who Allah will that it benefits. So if you remind her that you should fear Allah like on this bar, you did your job. And you can walk away and on the day of judgment, you are not uh, held accountable for, you know, not enjoying the right and forbidding the wrong. And this oh. has to be the attitude for all the Muslims with all our actions. See, if all the Muslims had this actions and this attitude, a lot of Muslims won't be sending publicly. See, what you do behind your closed doors is none of my business. But when you do things publicly, then I have to say something because I've seen it. And if I don't say something, then in the Hadith, the Messenger of Allah says that the one who will be punished in the grave and he will be ordered to be whipped. And he asks, what did I do? He says, because you made salat without making uh, wudu properly one time, and you seen the situation, an evil, a munkar, and you didn't enjoy the right and forbid the wrong one time. So he got whipped in his grace. So it's, a, it's, a, uh, it's not an option to enjoy the right and forbid the wrong. If you're able, you must do so. Right. MashaAllah. Shukran, Naki. That's Two one five six eight eight. You in the deal over doing yourself? Oh yeah, I think so. Um, the person has a question. The comment hit the number one on your phone, and we will come to you, inshallah. But tonight's show is about uh, Muslims who follow the Sunnah get married, and I touched on a lot of other topics because it's very important. Inshallah, because this is like the first time that we had a show in a while, so I wanted to touch on other topics so that we can, you know, benefit, inshallah. But if we were going to claim to follow Quran and Sunnah, this is the claim This is the claim that we make, right, that I follow Quran and I follow Sunnah, then this claim has to be substantiated in what we do in our very lives. Because saying that you follow the Sunnah and not actually following the Sunnah Allah says the Allah is going to make clear to you. Allah says in the Quran, don't think that you're going to be left alone on saying you believe and not be tested because those who were tested before you. You have to think about this, brothers and sisters. I mean, for all of you, just, just imagine this, right? Because right now we Muslim, alhamdulillah, there's one billion Muslims on earth. So it's, it's, it's fairly easy to become a Muslim in today's society without being ostracized by, you know, the Kufar. There's one thing in the rest. But I want you to imagine that you 
was presented with Islam in the time of the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu when if you took your shahada, it would be only five of you in a land of the kuffar who hated Muslims, killed Muslims. Think about that. That if you take your shahada, there's not going to be a masjid you can go to to learn your thing properly. You take your shahada, you won't have to go to a hut and secretly learn Salat. And if those people, the kuffar, if they come in that in that hut and they see you uh, learning how to pray, they will kill you. And no one in the city is going to care about you when you're dying because they don't know where it's time is. I want you to think about that. When Allah says, don't think that you're going to be left on saying that you believe and not be tested because people before you were tested, this is what he means. He means that when people became Muslim at the time of the message of Allah, there was a time when there was only 80 Muslims. There was a time where the Kufar wanted to kill them. There was a time where the Muslims actually had to leave their homes and their houses and their family members because people wanted to kill them. Kill the messenger of Allah, so they said them. So they had to leave. Imagine leaving your house right now. You left your house and you traveled down to Atlanta. You left your house because you're Muslim right now and you travel to Atlanta, you have to leave your job. You have to leave all of your family. You have to leave all of your possessions. You didn't have time to pack and, and rent a U-Haul. No, no. You have to leave. These people, yeah, these people are, and, and they, they, they're 10 blocks down, and they're coming to your house to kill you. You have to leave right now and go to Atlanta. And anything that you have when you're back, that's all that you have. I want you to think about that. Because when Allah says, don't think that you're going to be left alone with saying you believe without being tested, because those will be tested before you. This is what they were faced with. You're not tested with that. You're tested with that is 16 hours a day. You're going to work seven hours a day so you can have time to worship Allah. That's your testing. You're telling that miserably. You're tested with you have to get up 4 o'clock in the morning, you know, 3 o'clock in the morning so that you can eat, so that you can make sucker. So you can have a productive fasting death. You can't even do that. You you can't even beat the sheep. The sheep are willing to add against you. But we tested with the fitna of ease. The fitna of ease is easy for us. This Islam is easy. So therefore, we don't value it because it's easy. When they were Muslim, Islam was very difficult for them. So therefore, they value Islam because they had to fight, crawl, and scratch for it. To become a Muslim just to say I love Allah subhanahu to Ayla publicly. When Umar became a Muslim, the first thing he did was he went to all of his people, all of the people houses he knew hated Islam and told them, I am a Muslim, so that they can beat him up. So he can experience what his brothers before him was going through. That's a Muslim. He went to the houses of the enemies of Islam and says, I am a Muslim. Knocking their doors, I am a Muslim. Umar is a Muslim. So they may beat him up, and they did beat him up, so he can experience what his brothers and sisters love before him. That is a Muslim. That is a person who loves Allah. That is a person who loves the messenger of Allah. So that is action being put into practice. That's not a person who hides in his Islam so that his kufar friends can accept him. I'm a Muslim, and he's being bold and belligerent about it. He's not. He's being unapologetic about it. I'm a Muslim. Yes, I am. Alhamdulillah. And he took a beating, and he was happy to take a beating because he wanted to feel what his brothers and sisters felt before him. He didn't want to come into the game and not feel what they felt because they took the brunt of the blows because he was a Muslim. No, I want to feel what they felt. That's a Muslim. How many of us in Islam do we have like Umar? Think about that. How many of us do we have like that? Too many, right? All Allah says, Allah is asking you to do is love your brothers and sisters like you love yourself. The way you spend money on jewelry, the way you spend money on clothing, the way you spend money on $160 joints, Spend some money on your brothers and sisters. Is it going to kill you? But Allah says in the Quran that you are afraid because Shaitan threatens you with poverty. 
you're afraid that if you spend your money on your brothers and sisters, you're going to be broke. But you got a job. You're going to get money every week. You never think about that. I'm going to get money tomorrow, even if you don't work. A loss of mentality is already written a destination for how much money you're going to receive in your life. Don't worry about it. Isn't it a loss of mentality who says in the Quran, who is it that will loan to a law a beautiful loan? That if you give PCBDA, I will return it back to you ten times fold. You think the law is a liar? No, I don't think the law is a liar. I think the law is all hot. He's the truthful. He's the truth. MashaAllah. You have a call on the line, 215 431. Nowadays, welcome to the Lord. You're in the room with MashaAllah. We will continue the show. Brothers and sisters, I'm not asking any of you to be a super Muslim. I'm not asking you to be an extraordinary Muslim. I'm just asking you just to be a Muslim. And to be a Muslim, you have to have love and mercy in your heart for your brothers and sisters. To be a Muslim, you have to visit the sick. To be a Muslim, you have to sacrifice. See, being a Muslim is sacrificing. When when the angel Gabriel told the message of Allah about paradise, he says that paradise is around the sacrifice and hardship. Things you don't want to do. You don't want to not eat food until 8.20 at night. You don't want to do that. But you sacrifice your hunger and your food because you want to be a good Muslim. So that's why you sacrifice your money to for your brothers and sisters. Even if you stop supporting the Kufar and you say, I'm only going to, if you make a vow, all of us make a vow, I'm only going to support a Muslim restaurant. I'm only going to support a Muslim dry cleaner. I'm only going to support a Muslim daycare. I'm only going to support Muslims. And if you make that your effort, I guarantee you, that your life would be 100% better than it is right now. I guarantee you that. Safe Mahatma guarantee you that. That if you support your brother, then your life is going to get better. Because the message of Allah said that if you remove one of the burdens of your brother, Allah will remove one of your burdens on the day of judgment. Or even in this life. But we don't think like that. We don't think that if I own this store, and this store sells halal products, halal meat, or if I own a daycare center, that is uh, our Iman Daycare Center. I should expect the Muslims to support me if anybody else. The Muslims, I should expect to support me because we are Muslim and we are brothers. You know, when you see a brother selling instant, you shouldn't laugh at him. You should support him. If you see a Muslim brother selling turtles, support him. Why? Because he's out there trying to get his wrist just like all of us. Yeah, but he's going to ultimately, he's depending on the loss of the islands to send him people that will have mercy in their hearts to support. You might not need no turtle, but you buy one gift to your nephew. He has bought this turtle for you. I don't need, I'm not in the need for a turtle, but I put this turtle for you in order to support the brother. Or I put this for you with this instant or this soap in order that I support the brother because they show love. I support him, Allah will support me. If this is your intention, to support the brother because the law will support you, then the law will support you. This brotherhood has to be more than this lip service. It has to be more than that. We don't trust one another. We don't trust one another. I'm being honest with you. If 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 someone knocks on your door right now, let's say someone's at your door right now. And you open your door, and it was a Muslim brother and says, "Listen, I haven't eaten in three days. May you, may I, may I get something to eat from you?" You're not only gonna call the cops on him because, like, why is this strange man knocking on my door? He's saying that I would him. He has the kufi, he has the the overgarment, the thobe, he has the beard. But all he's asking you for is food. That's what he asking for food. Number one, you're gonna you're gonna not trust him that something is going on, something is about to happen, because that's us. We don't have fear of Allah subhanahu wa taala. We don't have puppy land. We don't have trust in Allah. We don't have trust in Allah. Even if you was a Muslim, this someone knocking your door, and they said, "Salaam alaykum, sister or brother. May I have something to eat?" 
and you accommodate that individual, and that individual will kill you. Wallahi al you will go to Jannah. You will go to paradise. Because you try to do what is right, and you can never feel afraid from doing something that is right. Allah will bless you with Jannah. You will die a martyr, a shaheed, but you will die the highest of the level of the shaheed because you try to do something that is the soda. You try to do something that Allah would love for you to do. And he killed you. He took advantage of your, your loyalty and your trust and killed you. You will go to Jannah. So you can't lose. If you give him food and he's not a psycho, then Allah subhanahu will bless you. If you give him food and he is a psycho, then he kill you. You will go to Jannah. You can't lose. But you have to think like this. With the fact that you think that you want to hold on to this life because you have your love. You love this life, but it's not benefiting you. It's not benefiting your children. It is deception. You live life in fear. Most of us will live life in fear. We fear what the unknown is. I can't get married because there's crazy people out there. Or I can't go to somebody's house or invite someone to my house because it's crazy. You live life in fear. Trust in the law. Well, you trust in the law. And you say, you know what? I leave it in the law's hands. I ain't got nothing to do with it. Then that's when life gets better. Because you think Allah is going to let you down after you say, I trust the law. When you leave your household, you make the wife. Oh, Allah, I leave my family in your hands because you are the best bakil. You are the best guardian. I leave their protection in your hands. I have to go earn this money to protect and, 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 and protect my family and live a life, but I leave my family in your hands. You are the best guardian. When you make this dua, do you think the law will let you down? you think the law will let something happen to your family? This is the question that you have to ask yourself. I sure will. Brothers and sisters, I don't want to take up your time. And I don't want to keep you on the phone for longing. MashaAllah. But I'm waiting for Iman Hanif to call in. But I'm going to try to reach him, inshallah. I will be back in two minutes, inshallah. So I will be talking to you later. Allah, Allah, Allah. Allah, Allah. Allahi Allah bolo Allahi Allah bibi amina ke pool Allahi Allah jabke sarkar tashreef laane lage puro hilma bhi khushiyan manane lage har taraf noor ki roshni cha gayi mustafa kya mile zindagi mil gayi we're already dead. We're already beaten down. We've been beaten down for four hundred years. MashaAllah, we have uh, well, about an hour and a half left to break fast. You know, so we'll end the show and look forward to more shows. Um, we are in the process of making Medina within the movie too. Stay tuned for that. We are in the process of making a show called The House of Man. It's, it's not a version of, like, Good Times. We'll be a YouTube series. Stay tuned for that. And if you didn't see the Dean Over Junior movie, you can go to YouTube and check it out. Dean Over Junior, the movie is on YouTube. Um, Alhamdulillah, it's getting a lot of good responses, inshallah. And um, Alhamdulillah, uh, the next show will be tomorrow. Day of Ramadan, inshallah. And um, you can hit me up on Facebook at Nasiru Dean, on my, my Facebook page, or you can hit me up on Instagram at the underscore Muslim underscore director. And that's my Instagram page, inshallah. Or you could download any other um, old shows on iTunes. You can go to iTunes if you have an iPhone and download all the original shows. We have almost 750 shows. Or you can go to TuneIn Radio if you're have if you an Android user and, you, and, and, and listen to all of the old shows that we have, inshallah. We have many of them. to get you through this month of Ramadan, inshallah. But I'm going to end the show.
and so we can return back to our families, return back to our fasting. You know, I want to appreciate all of the brothers and sisters for coming together, for calling up, participating in the Dino within yourself. May the Lord bless all of you with Kinder. May the Lord bless you to complete your fast. You know, may the Lord bless you and your family to uh, complete their fast as well. And understand that when you fast, you, 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 the Lord forgives all of the sins of the household for the fasting person. You know, so try to fast and Lord forgive the sins of the people that live in your household. So if you're going to do it for yourself, do it for them. And may Lord Sister Ireland, may he bless us for righteous wives and righteous husbands, for those who are trying to get married during his blessed month. Alhamdulillah. Uh, until tomorrow, assalamu alaikum. Rock and Allah, Allah,